All right. <clears throat> you know, every year um, when I was a kid, the New Year's Eve was a big deal. And my dad had all this, you know, you got to eat, what, black-eyed peas and I don't know, whatever else we had, like cabbage and everything I didn't like, I remember that. Um, and we had family parties and we'd all be up and it would be a big event. Now, I'm laying in bed and my eyes are sort of open and I make it to like 12.02, because that's all. But it was it really kind of disappointing this year because New York really, well, they dropped the ball. <laughs> I have a point. Here we go. How many of you, some of you have been Christians a long time, so have I, 40 years. How many of you wake up some days and realize you've dropped the ball as a Christian? Really, God, after 40 years, 45 years, I can't control my mouth? That doesn't apply to any of you. That was just for me. Um, after all these years, I didn't react to that right. After all these years, I acted like that. After all these years, I got involved with that. I didn't see this coming. Yeah, welcome. If you're new to the church, you need to know this is the whole battle. None of us are perfect. And Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians because they are messed up. Remember, he spent 18 months in Corinth because he knew how hard it was going to be to convert these people and honestly, to keep them converted. Because we are looking at New York, LA, and Las Vegas in one place. It is every sexual perversion, every idol worship you can possibly imagine. And then there's greed and it's, it's just a really a horrible place. Now, this is an interesting fact that I'd like to bring to you because we're being told today that all gods are the same. Doesn't matter what you worship, statue, Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus. If it didn't matter what gods you worship, why in the world did Paul go? Why didn't he just leave them alone? Because he said he was scared to death to go there. I'll read that to you in just a minute. But Cord did an incredible job with that first chapter, but he, I knew he wasn't going to get to two verses that I wanted to bounce off of today, and it's chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Paul, it's, it's sort of an, it's not really a flattering statement for us. He says, you know, not many of you were wise, not many of you were mighty, not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things in the world to confound the wise in this world. It's an interesting statement because when you and I say, I believe the Bible's the word of God, you're going counter to the whole culture. When you say, I believe in the resurrection, counter to the whole culture. I believe marriage is between a man and a woman, counter to the culture. I believe that abortion's murder, counter to the culture. I believe in creation versus evolution, you are counter to the culture. The world considers us fools. But Paul said, that's what you can expect. But here's my conclusion of that matter. You can be a fool for the world or you can be a fool for Jesus. You get to decide where you want to be. So Paul has set up this whole thing and now he's writing back to address some of their ball drops. And we pick up the story in chapter two, if you'll stand with me out of respect for God's word. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. 
For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. You can be seated. There's a word that jumped off that page at me. Paul said, I am resolved. What are you resolved? When you're resolved about something, there's no going back. There's no changing me. This is what I am, who I am, where I'm going. Well, that's a, really the line that every Christian needs to have. I am resolved. But Paul said, when I was with you, I was resolved to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I didn't get involved with politics. I didn't get involved with your gossiping. I didn't get involved with your craziness. I, didn't, I just came and told you about Jesus. And he said, I was scared to death. Now, that, we'll, get to, we'll get to that later. Uh, again, if it doesn't matter what God you worship, why would Paul, being scared, even bother going to Corinth? But he knows that Jesus is the answer because only one God has died on the cross to shed blood for your sin and mine. Only one God is raised from the dead. And so Paul said, I don't want to hear all of this talk about I follow Paul and I follow Peter and I do this and I do that and I'm a part of this. He said, no, Jesus and him crucified. You see, if you don't know Jesus yet, well, that's where it starts. If you've not accepted Jesus, repented, been baptized, you go out to Guidance Point, out in room three, they'll be there to help you. Online, you hit the button, I've decided, people will talk to you about how do I become a Christian. As soon as you and I become a Christian, we have one job. Once I know Jesus, my job is to make Jesus known. Now, what's interesting, the longer somebody is a Christian, the less likely they are to let anybody know. Because our circles close down. We don't know as many non-Christian friends. And it's just all about a little club that we have. And we've ceased to be the church. And we live in an era where you're like, well, what else would the church be? Oh, my friends, you have no idea. See, I subscribe to all kinds of things online. And the church will do everything except the one thing it's supposed to do. What do we do? We lead people to Jesus Christ. We help people get saved. We plant churches so more people can get saved. That's all we do. We don't focus on chili cook-offs and potlucks and women's red hat events. And Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but the problem is that becomes the purpose of the church. Are you kidding me? You think that's why Jesus died? So you could get together and see whose chili's the best? Come on. Come on. But if you're in a church and that's all you hear, you begin to believe that. But that's not our purpose. Whether you're in a prayer group, small group, Bible study group, ministry group, peanut butter and jelly group, the whole purpose of every group is to help somebody else know Jesus. And Paul said, I would never have come to you if that weren't my sole purpose. Ben Franklin said this. He said, it's better to hear well done than well said. Now, we live in a culture that's all about well said. It doesn't matter what you do, but you want to say the right stuff. 
all right? Dare, dare I go there? Why not? What the heck? I've already buried it. All right. So we're going to fly on private jets all the way to Switzerland to talk about how much carbon footprint you and I are putting out there. A lot of words. A lot of words. See, Matthew 25, and I'm sure that's where Ben Franklin got this. When we die, the words you want to hear is, are well done my good and faithful servant. Jesus didn't say well said. He didn't say well thought. He said well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, scripture gives us a lot of examples. Romans chapter 10, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Why do you think we planted a church in Palm Bay, over on the beach side, in the land, in Bunnell, in Oklahoma? Why do you think we do this? Because we want more people to know Jesus who will then tell other people about Jesus. Jesus said it himself this way, uh, dealing, dealing with Peter after Peter's denial. Uh, Simon, who's Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Well, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, then take care of my sheep. Third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He said, Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know all things. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Make sure my sheep are doing what my sheep are supposed to be doing. And what we're supposed to be doing is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Listen to Anton Scalia, uh, tremendous Supreme Court justice, all right? Just in case you wonder where he stood. This is a speech that he's making. He said, God assumed from the beginning that the wise of the world would view Christians as fools, and he has not been disappointed. If I have brought any message today, it is this. Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity. Be fools for Christ. And have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. There's a man that was a little ahead of his time or maybe was back at the right place in time. We are fools for Christ. We exist to know Jesus and to make him known. But also... He's resolved not only to know Jesus, but he is resolved to be weak. Now, you won't hear this in any leadership conference, any sales training event that you ever go to, how to con people out of their money in three easy ways. No matter what group you go to, they will not lead with, hey, what you really need to do is be weak and vulnerable. But Paul says, no, I'm resolved to stay in my weakness. Now, I've read this for 40 years, but I never caught it the way I caught it this week. Paul said, when I came to you, I came with much concern and with trembling. See, I have this picture of Paul, and so do you, that he's some you know, Greek god of some kind. And we know historically, he was probably about 5'4", he was bald, he was a tiny little skinny little guy, did not speak well, but he obviously was terrified. Now, why? with this little short, terrified Jewish guy walk into Las Vegas 
and say, I got to tell you people about Jesus. If Jupiter was okay for them to worship or whatever God they were worshiping, then why would Paul go to all this trouble to go tell them? Why would he risk his life? Why would he put himself through all this anxiety and fear if it didn't matter what God they worshiped? Apparently, there's but one God. And there's only one way to heaven, and Paul is bound and determined to get it to them. But he said, instead of coming to you with wise and persuasive words, he said, I came in weakness. In fact, here's, here's what it says. This is 2 Corinthians. It says he'd prayed three times uh, to God about a problem he had. And God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. What is wrong with this guy? For when I am weak, then I am strong. So maybe, rather than thinking, okay, how do I overpower somebody? How do I outsmart them? How do I... Maybe God's going to use our weakness. Maybe it's your sickness. Maybe it's your disease. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's your suffering. Maybe it's Jesus working through the weak times in your life instead of the, the strong times in your life that will help turn everything around. Johnny Cash, if you don't like the man in black, this is your problem. But Johnny Cash said, it's good to know who hates you. And it's good to be hated by the right people. Now, you won't hear that in a lot of churches, but he is dead on. Because the only way to not be hated by somebody is not to believe anything. But when you and I know the truth and our goal, I am resolved to know Jesus and to make him known. I'm resolved to be weak. It's okay. God, here it is. This is what I've got. Doesn't mean we don't give. We give, we serve. We give God what we have, but it's not like, okay, Joe, you are superhuman, and so I can't build the kingdom without you. God doesn't need me a lick. But he chooses to use the weak things in this world to shame the wise. Oh, man, what a great verse. Again, does it say a lot for us? Not many mighty, not many wise, not many noble. God chose the foolish things of the world. Thank you, God. Um, but he's right. But he's absolutely right. We don't bring anything to the table. What we get is the power of God through the word. We get salvation through Jesus. And we get the anointing of the Holy Spirit when we accept Christ and are baptized. So what am I going to take credit for? Paul said, I will glorify all the more in my weakness. Let's talk about being addicted, right? This is something we all struggle with in one way or another. Um, when God delivers you from addiction, you want to get as far away from that behavior and lifestyle as you can. Prisoners don't continue to hang around the prison after they're released. And you see, this is a problem with a lot of Christians. I've accepted Christ, but I'm still at the bar. I've accepted Christ, but I still hang out here. I accepted Christ, but I'm still, whoa, whoa. At what point do you say, no, I, I am a Christ follower. I've got to get as far away from what destroyed me as possible. Paul said, I, I'm resolved that God's strength can work through my weakness. It's good stuff. But then there's a final resolve. 
And that is, Paul said, I am resolved to trust the Holy Spirit. I wrote a uh, devotion uh, this week for a, a mission group that I'm a part of. And they asked us to focus on the Holy Spirit. They gave us all these scriptures and ideas. And I talked about being overwhelmed. Because when you stand in a city like Cairo and there's 30 million people, or you stand in New York and there's 10 million people, or, and you're like, what do I do? There's nothing I can do. I can't fix New York City. Nobody can fix New York City. That's been fairly well proven. But are you kidding me? God, what am I supposed to do? But God's spirit goes to work when you and I pray. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't go to work. It doesn't mean that we don't help. We don't start churches. We don't try to feed people. We do all of those things, but we come to the understanding, God, I cannot reach a planet of 8 billion people. But you can. In Romans 8, here's what it says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So when I'm resolved to know nothing but Jesus, I'm resolved to hang on to my weakness and let God work, and I'm resolved to trust the Holy Spirit. When I pray... It says God goes to work. And the Spirit of God, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, the Spirit of God is not delusional. The Spirit of God is not focused on that chili supper or that event. The Spirit of God has but one purpose, and that is to draw men to Jesus Christ, to draw men and women to Jesus Christ. So the Spirit takes my weak prayers, Lord, bless this church plant in Benel. And the Holy Spirit says, nice try, Joe. Not much passion, not much energy, not much there, but I got it. And the Holy Spirit takes it before the Father and brings through groans and utterings things that you and I can't possibly understand. Because, listen, just because we showed up at Vanilla Elementary today, we're not going to change anything. If the Spirit of God is not there, Nothing's going to be changed. You think we can stop racism? No. Do you think we can stop generational poverty? No. Do you think we can? No, but Jesus can. And so we bring God's spirit to bear, and when the spirit of God comes to bear, he changes everything. That's that's what we do. That's what our job is. So I don't know where your resolve lies when you say, I am resolved to. Is it to get away from stuff, to be like Jesus? Is it to make Jesus known? Is it to say, you know what, God, I'm gonna quit trying to be a superhero and I'll just let you work through my weakness? Is it to stop thinking that I gotta fix everything in my life, my family, my marriage, but really turn it over to God? I don't know. But I know this, most Christians, and I'm just being honest, most Christians don't have a lot of resolve. There's not a lot of strong back saying, I'm, I'm not quitting, I'm not changing. I believe the word is the word of God. And you know what? I'll be a fool for Christ. That's okay. Because everybody's going to be somebody's fool. You just get to decide who. But we live in an age where 50% of the churches in this country are telling people, you don't have to repent. You don't have to change. In fact, you can be a Christian and we'll just accept. You can just accept all of your old ways. Now, 
when it says the Spirit's power, Paul said, I didn't come in eloquence. I came with the Spirit's power. I want you to understand something, all right? There's nobody being slain in the Spirit. Nobody's falling on the floor. Nobody's speaking in tongues. None of this stuff is happening. What is Paul talking about? Paul said the Spirit power moved. You know it did because there were people who spent their lives at the temple worshiping idols and sleeping with prostitutes and now they've become Christians and they've changed. He said, I didn't come to you with eloquent words. I came to you with the Spirit's work. When the Spirit works, he changes people. That's what we all want, right? But you cannot embrace the old sin and say, yes, I'm a Christian, but. No, repentance is the key. So I'm going to finish with this, and I'm going to ask you to read this with me, and then I'll pray. But it's a reminder that, no, you don't get to take your sin along with you. You get as far away from the prison as you can. So here it is. Read this with me. Two out of two million made it to the promised land. Now, this is talking about the Israelites when they left Egypt. Um, there could have been as many as six million. We really don't know. But even Moses isn't going to make it into the promised land. It's only Joshua and Caleb that will make it into the promised land. So start over. Two out of two million made it to the promised land. Three out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Eight out of the whole earth flood of Noah's time. And many today think they'll go to heaven in sin. Repent. So Father, I don't know who needs to resolve to do what, but I know we could all use some more resolve. So Father, whatever it is, somebody's watching online, somebody's in the land, somebody's in Bunnell, somebody's on the other side of the world right now listening to this, or sitting right here in this room, wherever they might be, Father, that we're trusting. We're trusting you. We're trusting your hand. But cause us to be resolved, to be serious, to be locked into what we know truth to be. Give us the courage to be fools for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.